we live in perilous times. And it's not just if you are in the nightclub scene or the bar scene where there are, uh, where most of the time the mass shootings take place. I mean, anymore, or anymore it can be in churches as we have experienced here in the United States. So we live in perilous times and we're going to face more peril as the, the drawing of the Lord returns we are going, it is going to get worse and worse. Uh, it, we need to encourage one another and we need to be in God's word as, as we heard this morning and praying for one another. We, in, as I study the scriptures, this is what I see happening, that the world becomes worse and worse, as scripture says, and then there is going to be a catching away of believers in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. A catching away of the believers. Caught up to be with him in heaven. A resurrection of those bodies of the loved ones that we have already died. My mom and my dad, they're with God in glory right now in, in a kind of a temporary glorified body. Uh, but one of these days, their body is going to be taken up and and we will go up with them if we are still alive. It's called the rapture or the catching away in Scripture. And then there will be seven years where God pours out his wrath upon, upon this earth. And a, a terrible time. And, and uh, I do not believe that I have been reserved for wrath. I believe I've been reserved as a child of God. And, and he's go, as the bride of Christ. And that I will be, believers will be taken up and then following that seven years Christ comes back as the king and he establishes his kingdom on this earth and those that refuse Jesus Christ are are destroyed at that time and then for a thousand years the believers that still are alive go into this thousand year reign of Christ and we as believers if we've been we've been translated into glory, uh, have uh, uh, glorified bodies, we rule and reign with him for that thousand years. And so, but we've got much to think about before the Lord comes back. And that's what 1 Corinthians 16, Paul is saying in verses 13 and 14 especially, what do we do until the Lord comes back? Uh, and uh, this, the saying comes back to me of what a man said in my backyard uh, a month ago when I was talking to him about the Lord, and he said, well, I think that if we're just a little better every day, then that will get us into heaven. And he might have said, if I'm just a little nicer every day, well, that's a good thing. It's a good thing to be a little nicer every day. But that is not what Scripture tells us is the requirement for going to heaven. Um, there are lots of good people on this earth that are not going to go to heaven. And there are lots of uh, people that are not so good that are because they place their faith in Christ. Although that is not the goal that we have is to trust Christ and then live like the devil, uh, that is not 
salvation. But in 1 Corinthians 16, this is what we do, and it's not just to be a little nicer. That won't hurt, but it says in verse 13, watch ye, watch ye. Some, someday we're going to pull the meat off the bones of verse, these two verses. Uh, watch ye, stand fast in faith, in the faith. Quit you, or uh, be men of courage, is what it is saying. Be men of courage, be strong. And your copy of the scriptures might say that. Be men of courage, be strong. Let all your things be done with charity. And so we have a responsibility while we live on this earth. It's a call for vigilance. It's a call for courage. It's a, it's a call to saying, I'm going to be a Christian. I'm going to be a Christ follower. It's the courage to tell someone, well, I can't go along with that because Scripture says that we are created in the image of God. And we cannot destroy the creations that God is doing, whether it be uh, in abortion or whether it be euthanasia or whether it be uh, mercy killings of any kind is not really mercy at all. But we need to be vigilant not just men and women, although it says uh, it's talking about men here. Quit you. Be men of courage. It means be women of courage. Be kids of courage. Young people of courage. Willing to, to say, well, the Bible says, and I believe it, as was sung to us. Because uh, if we're not alert, if we're not watchful, I mean, it really is the theme of the New Testament because uh, Peter says, be sober, be vigilant, for your adversary the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Uh, you've got to be on guard. Keep awake. Paul, or Jesus told Peter, uh, can't you keep awake for one hour? Watch for one hour. Be alert. Paul says in Acts 20, Therefore watch and remember to warn everyone night and day with tears. So we need to be alert. And we need to know, we need to, you need to have a plan. I hope that you have a, a Romans road in your Bible or a Romans road in your pocket or uh, you know, a track someplace that says, well, God's word says that we are sinners and the wage of sin is death. And that means uh, we have no chance, but the gift of God is eternal life. Okay, now we do have hope through Jesus Christ. And uh, once you, you call on the name of the Lord, thou shalt be saved. I'm, this, it, it's easy, but sometimes we are afraid to, to mention it to those that we love and maybe love the most. Uh, to share with them how Jesus Christ can forgive them of their sin and save them for all eternity. I hope that we are courageous enough to do that. Uh, the, so the, the Satan as a roaring lion, be alert, be courageous. Ephesians 6.18, uh, I'd like you to turn there. We're going to turn to a few passages this morning just to remind you of where the books are in the in the New Testament, uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. Ephesians 6, 18. He's just given the armor of God. 
how we will even be able to stand. He just said, okay, here's how you're going to be able to stand. Here's how you're going to do that. Uh, and I think verse 18 is really telling us, okay, wrap it all up with this. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. It's going to be come from the Spirit. The strength is going to come from the Spirit. And watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We have got to be on the alert. We have got to be prepared almost every day when I come to my office and I pull into the parking lot out here between the, the gym and the parsonage. There are a whole bunch of bunnies that live there. And, and they are vigilant. They are sober. They are vigilant. They are watching. And when they see me pull in, they scatter. Now, there are not as many as the, in, during the spring out there now. They're, they're, right now, I think this week I've been watching three. But before that, there would be five. What happened to the other two? <laughs> they weren't vigilant. They weren't sober. Uh, <laughs> And neither will these three if they don't remain vigilant because Satan is out to get us. And we need each other. That's what verse 18 that we just read. We need each other if we're going to stand. And Cindy and I will hold hands when we're going over icy, icy parking lot or something. Is it just so that I can hold her up? <laughs> no. No, selfishly, I'm saying, oh, I'm, here, let me hold your hand, because I might be the one to fall. I don't want a broken hip, uh, and uh, we hold each other up. When one is strong the, and the other is weak, the strong one holds up the weak one. That's why we're the hospital here. We need each other, and I'm, I'm saying that, look at... Uh, the verse 10, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Uh, there is a point to what I'm saying. I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Uh, our strength alone is no match for Satan. Uh, and in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and I'm going to uh, turn there and read that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, there are a few verses that say, hey, I cannot do it on my own. But I challenge you that you cannot as well. 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. We cannot stand in our own flesh and blood. A carnal meaning fleshly. Uh, it, it is not something that we can drum up. But it, mighty through God. The only way we can pull down the strongholds of Satan is through God, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So we cannot, we are no match for Satan. We are no match for sin because that is Satan's tool. And I, I just want us to look at four truths about sin. Uh, when I, this was playing through my mind about just be a little nicer, uh, I was going through, I, there's something I, I wrote about that, and, and I, uh, I remember taking some notes. I found some notes. I don't know what I was reading or what I was listening to, but 
uh, I took uh, notes, and from those notes uh, is the message this morning. Four truths about sin. We, we can know what sin is like in Romans chapter 1, but the four truths about sin. And I, something that you might have written in the flyleaf of your Bible that says sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. That is a good saying. That is true. Now, it's not a, a scripture verse, but it is true. And you could write that on the flyleaf of your Bible to remind you of that sin will take you further than you want to go and keep you longer than you want to stay and uh, cost you more than you want to pay. It always does, really. Unless you deal with it, sin is going to cost you more than you ever thought. People around you will say, what was he thinking? Did he think you can get by with that? And that's what sin does. It is deceptive. But four truths about sin. Sin is stronger than you are. And sin is stronger than I am. No matter how strong you think you are spiritually, you are, you are not stronger than sin. How do I know that? Because God has given us examples. The four truths about sin are going to be, and you can guess it, what they are about here. I think there was... I think there's something in here. Oh, okay, here it is. I think this one goes there. I think that's number three. And this is the last one. This is a harmonica. So these represent sin. Oh, yeah, here, the, the, the fourth one. This is a smartphone. And it is. It's a lot, a lot smarter than me. The flip phone I had was just fine, but this is a smartphone. Four truths about sin. This is represented. Sin is stronger than we are. Oh, man, I think I pulled something in my arm. Uh, it will catch us. How do I know? Because of a character found in Judges chapter 16, and we're not going to turn there, uh, but it's about Samson. And you know the stories, or hopefully, I know it's becoming uh, kind of presumptuous to think that everybody knows the Sunday school stories, but uh, I'm going to assume that you know the story about Samson and how that his parents wanted to have a a, a child, and they couldn't have a child, and they were praying to God that they could have a child, and God says, okay, uh, you're going to have a son, and he's going to be a Nazarite, which meant he is going to be dedicated to me. And so he wouldn't get his hair cut, he wouldn't uh, uh, have anything to do with things that are uh, with grapes or wine anything, grape juice, anything like that, that was part of this vow that his parents were taking for him, and uh, he became a Nazarite. This restrictive lifestyle because he was set apart for God. Sin is stronger than Samson. Now, he had godly parents, but he was a spoiled kid, and the way we know that, the passage of Scripture, he says uh, he's doing whatever he wants. He says... 
Dad, go down. I found a, a, a girl that I want to marry. And he says, but she's not an Israelite. I don't care. I don't care if she's an Israelite or not. You go get her. I want to marry her. But uh, son, you know, you know you're not supposed to. I don't care. He's a spoiled kid. And so uh, he... He does all of these things, but he's empowered by God. When he's empowered by God, he can take the jawbone of a donkey and he can kill 3,000 Philistines when he's empowered by God. Um, When he's empowered by God, no one or no army can destroy him. He is strong. He is powerful. Nobody can defeat him, but sin can. Sin gets him. Lust can. It destroys him. It robbed him of the Holy Spirit. It says that uh, he woke up there with Delilah and he did not realize the Holy Spirit had left him and he got up as before time to to, uh, destroy those that were coming upon him. He did not know the Holy Spirit. Why? He really didn't care. He thought he was in his own power. That he was just strong. He was, sin robbed him of the Holy Spirit. Now, sin cannot rob us from the Holy Spirit because we have a different covenant with Jesus Christ. When Jesus died on the cross, he, uh, he said, I'm going to go away. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to indwell you, and he'll not leave you. But sin can rob us of the filling of the Holy Spirit. That's why Paul said, don't be filled with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a daily filling there means yielding to him. This is a daily, hourly, minute by minute filling, yielding to what the Holy Spirit wants for us in our lives. But uh, when, when we lose the power or yieldedness to the Holy Spirit, sin will destroy us even as it destroyed Samson. It will hurt your marriage. It will hurt your spouse. It will hurt your kids, even if they don't know about it. I don't know what your sin might be, but I have an idea. Uh, I, I believe that for some of you men, it is pornography. And I say that because the statistics show that 60% 60% of men in churches are addicted to pornography, and 40% of women are addicted to pornography, or it's between 30 and 40%. And uh, so I, that might be it, but there, I don't know what your sin is. But it will hurt your marriage. It will hurt your spouse. It will hurt your kids. Whether they know about it or not, it will. It will hurt your ministry, whatever you have, the way you want to serve the Lord. It will affect every area of your life. Now, Samson never saw it coming. He rose up to fight, and he was humiliated. His eyes were cut out, and he became a slave. So what can we learn from Samson's fall? I mean, the the point is, sin is stronger than you. But what do we learn? Sin feeds on power. The more powerful men become, the easier sin or the deeper sin has its talons in you. 
Uh, we see that in government. We see that in athletics. We see that in church leadership. That along with power comes the danger of sin. Um, Samson exerted power over his parents. Do what I want. Just do what I tell you to do. And so my, my challenge to parents is be parents. You have to be the parents for your kids. You, you can't let them be the parents. And so uh, there's got to be discipline. There's got to be accountability. There, and it's, I appreciated, uh, heard a parent that because uh, their son was always going into his bedroom, locking the door, they took the door off. You say, that's extreme. You know, where is their privacy? Uh, kids shouldn't have privacy. Uh, well, I'm not going to go through their stuff because, you know, where is their privacy? Where in Scripture does it say that your kids are to have their own privacy? No, they earn privacy. And, uh, and they need accountability. And if you cannot, if they are not accountable to you, and now with all of the modern electronics, I like to hear of parents that say every night when uh, the kids go to bed, we have a charging station, and they, it's right on the counter in the kitchen. No electronics go to their rooms. In our day, there were no electronics when we were raising our kids, but we did say there nothing good happens after 10 o'clock. So you might well just go to bed. And, but now it's, it's a lot different. Now with all of these things, uh, kids can go to their bedroom and close the door and have uh, a front row seat at any sin that they're desiring. And Satan will get them to desire something that is ungodly. And so uh, sin feeds on power. Be the parent. Don't give them that power. Um, in fact, I, I heard that instead of teenagers, the kids now today are called screenagers because they have so many screens that they're accountable to, but not the right accountability partners there. The more powerful Samson became, uh, the more power lust had over him. I, I think we see this revealed in the hashtag MeToo movement. You know, now it's coming out the mo that these powerful men had, uh, you know, you just, uh, they used their power for evil, for wickedness, the Hollywood scene, uh, in the megachurch scene. You know, Billy Graham had a, a great ministry. Many people came to know the Lord under his ministry. But I think the best part of his ministry, now if you got saved under his ministry, then you might differ with me, but I think the best part of his ministry is that he loved his wife Ruth. And Ruth loved him. And no matter how prestigious he might have become, uh, it didn't turn his head. Samson's head was turned with his power. The more powerful he became, the more power lust had over him. And sometimes I think, what was he thinking? 
what was he thinking? Um, and I say that to men, you know, I read, hear it on the news or whatever of, of men that I respected, and, and I say, what was he thinking? Why? Why would he do that? Because sin is stronger than we are. The strength of sin feeds on our sense of strength. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. When we are weak, then God is strong. Not when we are strong. Sin will whip us every time. will take us out if we think we are strong. Sin feeds on power. Sin flourishes in isolation. Samson was almost always alone. You read the account. Where, is it, where are his friends? Where are his accountability partners? Where are people that are praying for him? Well, mom and dad. But he's almost always alone. Uh, that scares me when I hear of people that just pull away from the church family. Because then they are opening themselves up to the targets, the arrows of Satan. Bill Gothard would describe it as the umbrella of protection. And kids are under the umbrella of mom and dad, under this umbrella. And then the family is under the umbrella of their local church. But as soon as you start removing these umbrellas, then we become vulnerable to the darts of Satan, to the temptations of, uh, of Satan, of sin. And so uh, isolation, flourish, uh, uh, sin flourishes with isolation. He's almost always alone. He didn't need others. He had everything under control. It's the enemy of spiritual strength. Isolation is. We need accountability partners. And I speak for men. And ladies, I think you do too. But ladies, it's a little easier for you to, to have your book clubs and to have your small groups and, and to have your coffee clutches and, and a roof circle. It's easier than for men. We use excuses, well, we're just too busy or we've got important things to do. We need each other men a small group, you need an accountability partner. And it's so important. I appreciate men that have covenant eyes on all of their, all, all of their screens. And covenant eyes means that there's somebody else, an accountability partner other than their wife, that is uh, seeing whatever site you go to. So that holds you accountable. That is important. I appreciate the parental controls that uh, parents have on their TVs so the kids just can't watch whatever they want. And so Samson didn't need any supervision and sin got him. He's stronger than everybody, but not stronger than sin. Sin is stronger than you are, the, barbell, the dumbbells. The smartphone, sin is smarter than you. You know that? Sin is smarter than I am. My phone is smarter than I am. I can ask it. If I was smart enough to know how to ask it, I could ask it uh, all kinds of questions. You know, people tap their phone and they say, uh, you know, what's the tallest building in the world? This is what I found, you know. And it, it tells us whatever. But sin is smarter than you. How do I know? Because of a man 
illustration in Scripture, King Solomon. First Kings. Solomon started out great. He loved the Lord. He prayed. He just, he just said, Lord, I just want to serve you. I just want to please you. And, and God said, well, because you desire that, I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to make you intelligent. I'm going to make you the greatest ruler in the, the world. And uh, so he started out great. He was given wisdom. He wrote thousands of Proverbs. He wrote books in Holy Scripture. And uh, he built the temple. He preached great sermons. But his heart turned away to forbidden alliance because of forbidden alliances with other countries. And in order to seal the deal with these other nations, he would marry their, their daughters, their, that king's daughter. And he... he he kind of goes along with, with, Saul, with uh, Samson as well, but he was turned away. His heart was turned away from God. The smartest man who ever lived apart from Jesus Christ, yet sin outsmarted him, and it will outsmart us. He counseled others, Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. But he didn't do it. He... he forgot his own, he didn't take his own advice and strength. You know, he wrote Proverbs 5 through 7, which those three chapters are primarily talking about the strange woman that uh, keep away from, from them. Uh, and any woman who isn't your wife is a strange woman. Remember that. Uh, your wife is strange enough, I know. You, but... <laughs> Uh, any woman that's not your wife is a strange woman to you. And, and Solomon says, don't uh, go or, or talk, uh, counsel, or uh, hang around or draw your affections from the strange woman because if you do, you will wind up in, in, along in her cellar that's filled with dead men's bones. And your bones will be right with them. So don't do it. I mean, he wrote that. So what does he do? The smartest man. What does he do? He should have stayed away from strange women. But he doesn't. He is outsmarted by sin a, a thousand to one. 700 wives, 300 porcupines. And I know you, you say, no, that's concubines. Uh, I say, you get that many, they're porcupines. And they will hurts you. Um, he builds up his chariot, but it didn't just happen. He builds up his chariots. He made alliances with foreign kings. He sealed the deal by taking foreign wives. Uh, he, the wives that he took bring in a whole trainload of baggage and in the baggage, when they open it up, are these false gods. They set these gods up to worship in their house. And I don't know how they could do it. But, uh, and his heart is pulled away from God. See, sin wants us to trust our own wisdom. We think we can handle it. Have you ever thought that? Or maybe you even said that. I can handle it. Don't worry about it. I can handle it. I've got things under control. I can quit whenever I want. I'll do this just one more time. It won't hurt anybody. Or sometimes people say, God loves me anyway. 
Well, he does, but that doesn't mean we're making him happy. Uh, or I'm, I'm sharing this gossip as a prayer request. You know, you can tell anybody anything as long as you have your eyes closed. You know, that's a good tool for a, a gossip. Um, I just speak my mind. Hey, ah, that might have hurt you, but I want you, I just speak my mind. Well, maybe your mind needs to be adjusted a little bit. Uh, I have a right to be angry. Have you said it or have you ever used that excuse? I don't care what the Bible says. And I've heard people say that. I don't care what the Bible says. Uh, so, 1 Corinthians chapter 11 tells us that some that thought they were smarts continued in sin and God had to take them home. And in that chapter, he says, uh, some have slept because they would not repent of their sin. So God just took them home. So sin wants you to trust your own wisdom. Sin wants you to underestimate small companions. Just one look. Uh, I'm just going to try this once. A little won't hurt me. It isn't as bad as something else. And uh, it's interesting that Solomon wrote that it's the little foxes that uh, destroy the walls. So you, you bring in a little fox. Little foxes grow up to, big, to be big foxes. Satan uses little sins, introduces them as almost harmless, almost harmless. And then he lets them grow up. Uh, when I was uh, irrigating on the ranch in Montana for my high school and, and college time, uh, in the spring, uh, we are in the foothills of the, of the mountains where the ranch was. And so... In the spring, when I would get uh, home from college or uh, out of high school, I would begin irrigating. I was the irrigator. I did other things with cattle and stuff, but I was the chief irrigator. And, and I would turn the water in to the, the dam. We did, had to do it with the ditches because uh, the fields weren't flat to, enough to use the wheels. And so I'd turn water in and I'd walk through the, the uh, foothills there and I as I would walk in the spring see the snakes the rattlesnakes come out of their dens and they lay around in the rocks outside their den and at night they go back into their den and they do that for a couple of weeks and then they leave their den and they go wherever they want uh, but in the spring then it, it, my responsibility walk those ditches and to keep a, a lookout be alert be uh, sober, be vigilant. And so, uh, one, and then during that course of that time, there will be a hatch where little snakes will come out with the big ones. And so, there was a time when I was walking through the foothills there, and I, I managed to catch two little rattlesnakes. And they are the cutest things you've ever seen. I mean, they're this long, and they look just like a big rattlesnake, only they're little. And you know that the dogs are cute when they're little, aren't they? And cats are cute when they're little. And we went to the fair and walked through the bunnies yesterday. And those bunnies are so cute when they're little. And I've always said, wouldn't it be nice to be able to give them a shot where they would stay little all the time? 
Uh, so I, I caught a couple of little rattlesnakes, and they're so cute. And I ca- kept them in, uh, my brother and I stayed in a, a little cabin with a sod roof and uh, in a glass jar, one of those big jars that we would get milk in there in Montana. And kept in there, had grass and sand and a little water place, and I would feed him little bits of hamburger, feed them hamburger or flies, Uh, no shortage of flies to put in there and feed. You know what happened during the course of that summer is those cute little snakes became big snakes. And there came a time when I had to dump them out of the jar and kill them because if I didn't, they would want to kill me. Uh, Because little sin grows to be big sin and even the little sin is dangerous. Although they don't have much venom, they can make you sick. You get big uh, snakes and then they can kill you if you are not careful. So sin is stronger than you are. Samson should remind you that. Sin is smarter than you are. Solomon should teach us that. And we will find out what a mirror does and what a harmonica does uh, next Sunday. Let's pray. Father, you know the battles that I fight in my own heart. You know the battles that I have had victory because of you, not because of my strength. And you know the battles that I still need to face. And I need to face it in you, in your power, and in your might. And you know the same of everyone else that's in this room. And I, I do not know their hearts. And I can't even imagine all of uh, what sin might, might uh, control them. But you do. And so I am praying that even though we did not get to the solution this morning, that we might realize that the solution is in Jesus Christ and our faith as it grows in your word and in the prayer support that we have from our accountability partners. Lord, you, you know uh, how to bring victory, and we know it's only going to be through you. We ask for that this morning, please, in Jesus' name.